turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, as we are nearing the end of our study of this section of Scripture, and uh, soon to continue on in Genesis 1 through 11. Uh, but we do need to spend a little bit more time here in this section of Scripture, uh, particularly Genesis 1 verse 26 through chapter 2 verse 3. Genesis 1 verse 26 through chapter 2 and verse 3. Once you are there, uh, if you are physically able, I'd ask you to stand with me as I read for us uh, God's Word in this place. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26, chapter 2, verse 3. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. You may be seated. Of all the Ten Commandments, there is certainly none more neglected than the fourth. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Even among Christians, this commandment seems to be the most ignored. Sunday has become just another day in which people work, play, and carry out their lives as usual. For many, Sunday is not a day of prayer, not a day of service, not a day of worship or of fellowship. Rather, it is a day of pursuing one's own pleasures with little or no thoughts of God. It has become a shopping day, a fishing day, a golfing day, a catch-up-on-housework day. For many, it is not the Lord's day, unless you consider yourself your Lord. Sadly, many Christians are hardly even aware that they are neglecting this commandment. It is almost as if we have forgotten about the fourth commandment. 
I heard someone say recently that Southern Baptists believe all nine of the Ten Commandments. And that seems to be about right. We've forgotten that one. So many believers, Christians, are fighting today to see the Ten Commandments posted in classrooms and in city halls. And yet many of them themselves live in disobedience to this one of the commandments. And often without even giving thought to it. I would suggest that this is a blind spot for many modern Christians. We want to honor God, so we do not murder. We do not commit adultery. We do not lie. We concern ourselves with keeping the other commandments, and yet it is at this one, the fourth, the one that calls us to devote a seventh day to God, it is here that many of us stumble and fall. We seem to think that this commandment is less important than the others. We forget that James 2.10 says that whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. The church of Jesus Christ, I would suggest to you, would be a much greater witness in our society if we would concern ourselves less with getting the Ten Commandments posted in public buildings and concern ourselves more with actually living out the Ten Commandments ourselves. Not only is this the most neglected commandment, the Sabbath is also the most blatantly despised of the commandments. For many, this commandment is dreadful. It is burdensome. It makes the heart heavy. We don't have time to devote a full day to God anymore. I can give God an hour or two on Sunday morning, assuming I'm not on vacation or something more pressing doesn't come up, but don't expect me to give Him more than that. Certainly not a full day of service. My child wants to play on a traveling baseball team. They play on Sundays. Should I deny my child the opportunity to play? My business has to be open on Sundays. If not, I will lose a good deal of profit and will fall behind my competition. Do you want my business to fail? I work hard during the week. And my Saturdays are spent cutting grass and doing other needful things around the home. Sunday is the one day that I have for myself. Do you want to take that away from me too? This is often the kind of sentiment that we receive when we insist on the fourth commandment. And you may not have that kind of sentiment being spoken out loud, but I wonder if that kind of resistance to the fourth commandment is in your heart as well. Surely this must be some antiquated commandment that is no longer in force anymore. Let us just count the fourth commandment as a ceremonial law or a civil law of the Jews no longer applicable to us because it won't work in our day. The Sabbath may have been good for people in the past, but it cannot have a place in our modern lives. It is too burdensome, too much of a hindrance to us. You might would expect to hear that kind of talk from non-Christians, but even today it is those kinds of sentiments come from the lips of Christians. There are those who love the Lord Jesus, who have bowed their knee to Jesus, who long to please Him, 
who long to live for His glory, and yet they still cannot imagine putting aside a full day for the service of God. I want us to be clear about something up front as we talk about the Sabbath. It is a gift to us. It is a gift. Jesus taught very clearly that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. This was instituted for your benefit. This was given for my benefit. It was designed for us to do us good and to bring us blessing. The Sabbath is an expression of God's love to us. It is a commandment. It is one of the Ten Commandments spoken by God Himself, given as one of the ten pillars of all the moral law. How you spend your Sunday is a moral issue, an issue for which you will be judged. It cannot be denied that the ten, in the Ten Commandments we have a duty laid upon us to observe the Sabbath, and yet though it is a duty, it is no less a gift. Can you swallow that? Can you handle that something can be a duty and a gift at the same time? Salvation's that way, isn't it? Salvation is a gift made available to you through Jesus Christ, yet it's also a command. God commands all people everywhere to repent and be saved. It is a duty and obligation upon all mankind to turn from their wickedness and to turn to God. But who of us here would say that that's a burdensome commandment? Wouldn't we say it's the most joyful thing that ever happened to us? Wouldn't we say it's the greatest gift we've ever received? Well, the Sabbath is kind of like that. It is a wonderful gift given to us for our good. Adam and Eve were not foolish This was a gift that they loved, that they took advantage of. And so also, we ought not to despise it. We ought to love the Sabbath. It ought to be our favorite day of the week. It was was made for man. It was made for us. And so as Isaiah 58.13 says, we ought to call the Sabbath a delight. Well, here in Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3, we see the making of the Sabbath, the institution of the Sabbath. Now notice I said it's here in Genesis 2, 1 through 3. I didn't say turn with me to Exodus 20. The Sabbath was not first instituted at the giving of the Ten Commandments as a law for the Jewish people alone, as some believe. Some believe that the Sabbath belonged only in the Old Testament for national Israel, but that it has now passed away. But the Sabbath was not instituted there. It was instituted at creation. It was given to Adam and to all of Adam's descendants. Israel was not given the Sabbath as a new thing. It was called to remember the Sabbath day, something which had been instituted before. Now we will see later that it did become largely neglected after the fall, with perhaps only a small remnant continuing to observe the Sabbath day between the days of Adam and the days of Moses. Yet it was nevertheless a creation institution for Adam and Eve and for all their descendants, not just the Jews at Sinai. None of the Ten Commandments given to Moses were new. 
Each and every one of them was in place and existed before Mount Sinai. Would we say that it was not wrong to murder before God gave the Ten Commandments? Of course not. Murder was just as wrong in the days of Abraham as it was in the days of Moses. It was wrong to worship other gods. It was sin to commit idolatry or to treat God's name with disrespect. It has always been wrong to dishonor your parents or to steal or to covet. All of these commandments are written into the fabric of humanity from the beginning of history. And the fourth commandment is no different. All peoples throughout the history of the world, even the most pagan and the idolatrous, have had a sense in their hearts that their gods deserved a portion of their time for sacrifice and worship. They may not have used the seventh day. Some ancient cultures used a ten-day week, for example, but they did have something within them, some instinctual sense of right and wrong, that there is a God and that time ought to be set apart for service to that God. And that's because the fourth commandment, like the other ten, has been established since creation. Now, if you or I had been given the task of separating the scriptures into different chapters, we would have done it differently than it is here. You do understand when you look at your Bible that when it says chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, that that's not in the original scriptures. A man named Robert Stephanus came along in the, uh, let's see, the 1200s. All right, I'm sorry. A man named Stephen Langton came along in the 1200s and gave the Bible its chapter separations. Then Robert Stephanus came along in the 1500s and actually gave the verse numbers. So the chapter numbers and the verse numbers are not a part of original scripture. They're just given there for our help. But occasionally when we're studying the Bible, we'll see a place where we wish they had done it differently. And this is one of those. Because the first three verses of chapter 2 belong with chapter 1. Verse 4 begins a whole new section. So if you and I had been doing this, we would have included these first three verses of chapter 2 with chapter 1. We've already learned in recent weeks that God created man in his own image for his own glory. So that man, as we exercise dominion over the earth, male and female would be using those gifts God has given to us and thereby would display His glory and honor Him. We are to be faithful stewards. We are to use our God-given talents and abilities to wisely and creatively bring further order and beauty to the earth. We have learned that it is our purpose to exercise dominion. We saw it in verse 26 and 28 of chapter 1. And I've suggested to us that God has given to us three creation ordinances that are to bring order and a pattern to the way we live our lives and exercise dominion. There's the ordinance of work. From the very beginning, man and woman was created to work. There's the ordinance of rest or ceasing from that work, which we see on the seventh day. And then there's the ordinance of multiplying or procreation. God told us to have dominion on the earth, and then he said, I want that to include this humanity. It needs to include work, it needs to include rest, it needs to include procreation. And then God gave three institutions that go with those. For the uh, ordinance of work, he gave us the work week. For the ordinance of rest, he gave us the Sabbath. And for the ordinance of procreation, he gave us the institution of marriage. Marriage. 
And so that's what's happening in these verses. That is the context in which we learn about the Sabbath. Genesis 2.2, you see it? It says, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So the first Sabbath was God himself, was observed by God himself. On that day, God rested. Now, this doesn't mean that God was fatigued from his six days of creation. This doesn't mean that God uh, fell into his holy lazy boy and took a nap because he was worn out from his six days of work. Rather, when it says that God rested, the word literally means he ceased. He stopped his creation work. He brought an end to his creation work. The work had been done. All which God had intended to create had been created in those six days, and now he ceased from that work. And we need to understand that when we talk about the Sabbath as a day of rest, we do not mean that the day should be spent sleeping. We do not mean that the person that does the least keeps the Sabbath best. That's not what we mean. Rather, the Sabbath is a day when we rest from our normal labors so that we can give ourselves more completely to our highest callings. For six days, we are to give ourselves to our worldly callings. But on the seventh day, we are to give ourselves more directly to the highest of those. We worship God on the other six days. You hear that, don't you? The other six days of the week are days of worship. We are to honor God as we work. We are to honor God as we fulfill the various callings He has put in our lives. We are to strive for excellence and to do our work well in the other six days of the week to serve Christ. Yet just as God had a time where He ceased from on the, after the sixth day and turned to another kind of work on the seventh, so we are to spend our seventh day in a different kind of work, ceasing from our other regular work. The scriptures teach that God's Sabbath exists even now. That God dwells in a permanent Sabbath rest. And yet even as God is dwelling in this rest from His creative work, yet He is also still working. Jesus worked on the Sabbath. Jesus healed a man at the pool of Bethsaida, telling him to take up his bed and to walk. And the Pharisees were angry that Jesus would be working on the Sabbath and bringing this man to get up and to take up his mat on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, quote, My father is working until now, and I am working. John five seventeen. So if we think the Sabbath is a day for doing nothing, we misunderstand. The Sabbath is a day of resting from our normal labors to do work that more directly honors God and celebrates His salvation. The Sabbath is about resting from our regular labors in order to spend time in another kind of labor. It's to be a day of worship, a day of praise, a day of fellowship with God and His people. These things require energy. They require strength. They require a kind of work. But this day is appropriately called a day of rest But this, because this kind of work is to bring refreshment to our souls. This kind of day is to bring a change of pace from the other six days that our souls are refreshed and able to go back out on Monday ready to live for the glory of God. 
Genesis 2, verse 3, we are told that God blessed the seventh day. As we've already learned, God's blessing is His gift of fruitfulness. If I bless you, what I'm doing is saying that I want you to be fruitful. Now, sometimes this is physical fruitfulness, as we see in the Old Testament with the burying of children. Sometimes this is material fruitfulness, wealth. But very often it is spiritual fruitfulness. Well, on the seventh day, God blessed that day, which means He made it a fruitful day for us. When properly observed, the seventh day will cause us to become more bountiful. Observing the Sabbath day can be good for our bodies, which may need a break from our regular labors. And observing the Sabbath day is certainly good for our souls. For without our regular labors to distract us, we can better focus on spending time with our God and being refreshed by Him. The Sabbath is a day of blessing. Genesis 2-3 says that God made the seventh day holy. This means that He set this day apart. He made this day different and distinct from the other six days. When something is made holy, it is set apart for service to God. Whether it was the temple or the holy objects within the temple that were sanctified and made holy for God's use. Whether we think about holy communion, right? We understand that the Lord's Supper is a special kind of supper. It's not like other suppers. Whether we think about ourselves. As Christians, we've been made holy and are being made holy. We have been set apart by God for His use. Well, the Lord's day is just like that. That's what the Sabbath is. A day set apart for God. It is a holy day, which means it is to be treated with reverence. It is to be given the dignity that it deserves. Now we should note that when God instituted the Sabbath, He also instituted the six-day work week. For one implies the other. When you say, I'm going to separate your rhythm of life into seven days and the seventh is different, then you've grouped the other six together. And so we see here not only the institution of the seventh-day Sabbath, but the six-day work week. Now this doesn't mean that God's will for you is that you work at your job Monday through Saturday no matter what. Rather, it means that the other six days leading up to Sunday are to be used in beneficial ways in which you are exercising dominion over the earth. You should use the other six days to accomplish those things which are needful so that when the seventh comes, you can devote that day more fully to God and the refreshing of your soul. It has become commonplace in our society for many to use Saturday as a day of play. And friends, that's not a bad thing if the needful work of the week has been done. If you've accomplished all that you need to do that week and you have Saturday free, go play, enjoy the day. But it is a bad thing when students stay home from church on Sunday nights because they spent Saturday playing instead of doing the homework due on Monday. They've robbed God and themselves of the time that was supposed to be devoted to Him. It is a bad thing when adults 
waste much of their Sundays getting ready for the upcoming week or catching up on work from the last week because they spent their Saturdays playing. They rob God of His day. They have no, fellowship, no time for fellowship with other believers. They don't have time on Sunday afternoon to visit others or to read good Christian books or to spend quality time with their family. All of these things which are important and which would bring refreshment to their souls and to others are not done because they wasted their Saturday and made no preparations for the coming Lord's Day. Now God has called us to glorify Him through our work and He has given us six days in which to do that work. If your work requires more than that, you've got too much on your plate. If you say, my work requires me to work seven days every day, I have no time for rest, then you are doing more than God desires you to do. But the seventh day is to be set aside, made holy, received from God as a gift to you for your spiritual benefit. It is unhealthy and unwise and disobedient not to observe it. Now, in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, we learn only the very basic principle of the Sabbath. It is a day when God ceased from His work, and it has been set aside and made holy for us. On that day, we are to cease from our work, and yet the rest of the Scriptures tell us much more about this day. First, the Sabbath was given to us as a day for us to express our love for God. Let me say that again. The Sabbath was given to us as a day to express our love for God. Does that sound burdensome to you? It shouldn't. We live in an extremely busy society. And many of us have a variety of different people and different needs and different concerns all vying for a portion of our time. Yet it is a sound rule that we will make time for those things we truly love. Many a marriage has fallen apart because the husband did not make time to spend with his wife. Many children have grown up emotionally bruised and warped because their parents did not give them the quality time they so sorely needed. It is an expression of love to give someone your time. The Ten Commandments are made up of two sections, two tables of the law. The first four commandments, or the first table of the law, are all about ways we directly love God, serve God, honor God. The second table of the law, the other six commandments, are more about how we love our neighbor and care for our neighbor. Jesus summed up those two tables of the law when he said that the greatest commandment is to love God and the second greatest is to love our neighbor. We love God when we have no other gods but Him. We love God when we try not to worship Him in sinful ways. We love God by treating His name with respect and with honor. And so also we love God when we set apart the seventh day and devote it to Him. This is a day that's all about love. It's all about saying to God, you are first place in my life. 
I will do all that I need to during the rest of the week, accomplish all of the things I need to accomplish so that you get my seventh day. It belongs to you. It is my day to spend with you and your service and your people. Understanding that the Sabbath day is a day of love for God is essential to understanding how to observe it properly. For if the Sabbath day is a day in which we love God and show love to God, then we should spend that day doing things that express our love to Him. We should sing to God on the Sabbath. We should pray to God on the Sabbath. We should meditate on His truth, hear His word, have our hearts stirred up to better love Him and trust Him on the Sabbath. We should do those things which bring joy to His heart and which are an expression of our love to Him. Moreover, we worship God on the Sabbath by serving those who are created in His image. We love God on the Sabbath by serving our brothers and sisters. The Sabbath is to be spent expressing our love for God by expressing our love for one another. This is why you can't say, I observe the Sabbath off all alone by myself. There's a reason we gather together on Sundays. We gather together to pray together so that our prayers may benefit one another, so that we can encourage one another through our prayer lives. This is why we receive God's word together. This is why we sing together because we're loving God and at the same time that we're loving God, we're loving him by encouraging our brothers and sisters in Christ. Our corporate gatherings are God's appointed way for us to show love to one another as we participate in God's worship together. We do this for God's pleasure. We do it for one another's benefit. All of this is motivated by love. Our Sunday afternoons could be used to love God by loving others as well. This is a great time if we've set apart this day for God. Sunday afternoons is a great time to welcome others into your home, to fellowship with them, to visit with them, to pray with them. It's a great time to visit the sick, to write cards, or to make encouraging phone calls. It's a time that can be spent quality time with your family expressing your love for them and service to them. God did not call us just to make a couple of hours on Sunday holy. He called us to make the whole day holy, to set aside the whole day to Him. A second purpose of the Sabbath, besides expressing our love to God, is to receive His blessing. The seventh day has been set apart so that we can bless God, but also so that we can receive God's blessing to us. There are those who would like to take the Sabbath and turn it into a list of do's and don'ts so that it becomes so burdened with rules of what you should do on Sunday and what you shouldn't do on Sunday that it becomes a loathsome day. Friends, we must not fall into that. We need to remember the central principle that the Sabbath is a gift to us to be enjoyed as a day of blessing. We should strive to observe it properly, but we should do so not as a burdensome duty, but because our God loves us and knows what is best for us and He has called us to keep this day. He loves us and His love has led Him to bless us and one way in which He blesses us 
is through our keeping of the Sabbath. Now, for those who do not find real enjoyment in the presence of God, Sabbath-keeping will be a burden. For those who want to feel that they've done God a favor by sitting in church a couple of hours, giving the whole day to God will seem unbearable. But for those who actually love God, who love His presence, who love His people, who love His Word, His truth, and His praises, for these people, Sunday will be the feast day of the soul. We are called to study our Bibles as an act of love for our God. And as we do, God blesses us. We are called to pray as an act of love to our God. And as we pray, God blesses us. We are called to take the Lord's Supper, to witness, to give offerings, all of these things as expressions of love for our God. Yet wouldn't you say that as we do those things, He actually blesses us? Wouldn't you say that it is a truth in your life that the more you try and serve God, ultimately the more He really serves you? Would you not say that's the truth? Well, it's no different with the Sabbath. As we seek to serve God by setting apart this day for service to Him, we will find ourselves to be the one incredibly blessed. We set aside the day to express our love to God, and through it, God blesses us. God is glorified. We are satisfied, blessed, and made happy. Now, you may have a lot of questions about the Sabbath. You know, is it ever okay to work at a job on Sunday? Don't we want our doctors and policemen employed on Sundays? And the answer to that is yes. We'll talk about that tonight. If we are to devote this whole day to God, what should our Sundays look like? Is it okay to watch football on Sunday? Is it all right to go out to eat? Why do we consider Sunday our Sabbath instead of Saturday like it was in the time of Jesus? These are all questions you may have, and we still have more to learn tonight. And to be honest, much of this is new to me. For now, however, I want to speak directly to you about our keeping of the Sabbath. I want to close this way, and we'll see about some of those questions tonight. Have you failed to give God His due? Have you been neglecting the fourth commandment in your own life? Have you assumed that just being in church for a few hours is all that God requires and then devoted the rest of your Sundays to yourself? Does the idea of Sunday as a full day of service to God sound burdensome to you? Here is the one who made you, the one who sustains you, the one who knows you intimately. We're talking about the God who sees your every sin and has chosen to sacrifice his son on your behalf. Will you now refuse to give him one day a week? Is that too much to ask? After all he has done for you, after all that he is doing for you, after all that he has in store for you in heaven, do you still consider giving God one day in seven too much of a sacrifice? 
Our Sundays are meant to be a picture of heaven. If spending a full Sunday in fellowship and service to God seems burdensome, what is heaven going to feel like to you? Has your heart truly been changed so that you desire fellowship with God? You find joy in His service so that Sunday truly is your favorite day of the week? What if when we gather tonight, you discover that God does want you to give up watching football on Sundays? What if you discover that God does want you to no longer shop on Sundays? Are these sacrifices you're willing to make or is this asking too much of you? Is this a cross you're not willing to bear? Do you treasure television more than God, shopping more than God? Now, by the way, I'm not saying that God does or does not want you to give up those things. I'm asking you to consider this. If you were to discover along the way that he did, would you be willing to give it up? Is there anything in your life which is off limits to God? Is there anything in your life that if God said, give that up for my sake, you would have to say, I can't, I love it too much. And dear friends, if there's some some practice in your life, maybe some practice on the Lord's day, that, that if you discovered God asked you to give it up, you couldn't, you might need to try and give it up now because you already love it too much. It's already too precious to you. Let me ask you this. Would you say that you are living in joy from the Lord? Would you say, I am living in the joy of the Lord? Did you know that Isaiah 58 says that if you will put aside pursuing your own worldly pleasures on the Sabbath and devote the day to God, the first promise that is given there is that we will find joy in the Lord. Do you believe that? Do you take God's word at his word? He says, if you will put aside pursuing your own pleasures and give the day to me, the result will be joy. Do you want that? Do you want more joy in the Lord? How much do you want that? Do you want it enough to perhaps make changes in your life if that's what God's word requires? Each and every Sunday, God waits to bless his children. He has so much to give us. He wants us to grow in our faith, to grow in our love, to grow in our delight in Him. He desires to reveal more and more of Himself to us, to do works in us that we cannot imagine. And the Sabbath is His particular day of blessing. It is this particular day in which He has promised if we observe it, He will bless us. Are you a rebellious child refusing to receive the Father's gift? So that the Father says, Dear one, I love you. I gave my Son for you. I want to bless you. Here is a gift. And you say, If that's a gift, I don't want it. If that's you, know that Jesus died for these sins as well. We need to repent. We need to pray that God would give us genuine grief over our breaking of this commandment, just as if we had broken any of the other nine. We need to go to Christ anew 
Know that only His life and death and resurrection bring us forgiveness from these sins. Jesus experienced the wrath of God that your sins of Sabbath-breaking deserved for you on the cross if you're a believer. Do you see Christ there in your place bearing your punishment for your sins in this regard? And will your heart not break? And will you refuse to care? Or will you choose to trust God and begin to take this day more seriously, whatever that may mean? I pray you will. I pray I will. I pray we will together. Let's pray.